Hello, everybody, and welcome to Fortress Comic News, episode 309. I am one of your hosts, Chris, alongside my consistent co-host here, Mike. What's going hey. on, Mike? Hey, wow, consistent co-host. That was an alliteration. Uh, as consistent I'm, I'm as... a Marvel a, boy. Yeah. I like alliteration. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, Peter Parker and... Uh, J. Jonah Jameson Jr. Yeah, that's awesome. That's the best <laughs> one. Um yeah, man. Uh, I yeah, I might be as consistent for one episode a week, but holy shit, we had three interviews last week, man. So, I I I've just got to commend you for that. That's a lot of time and effort put into that. So, uh, and I'm sure the fans of the podcast really appreciate that. Three interviews in one week. I hope uh, they did. Yeah, Lansing and record. Lanzig and Haas were scheduled, and I I wanted to get both of them in. Obviously, Lanzig being one of our favorite creators, yeah, and uh, Haas being someone who you don't know that well, but I know because he's actually a PR person that sends mm-hmm. us a bunch of our interviews. Oh, that's awesome! Um, including uh, Dalton Shannon most recently. Oh, perfect! And yeah. uh, then Benjamin Morse and I were just chatting behind the scenes. He sent me the volume one of We Are Scar- Twilight, and he's like. He told me like everything snuck up on him. He wasn't doing a whole lot of press. And I was like, well, I'm down to come and chat with you. And um, yeah, I love chatting with that dude. I love his work. So yeah, the uh, Scarlet Twilight book looks amazing. I haven't got around to reading it yet. Uh, it, I absolutely adore that series. And I can promise everybody out there it ends really well because okay. I've seen it. <laughs> yeah, amazing. Um, yeah, dude, that's. And and just I mean, so we have another interview this week. Uh, Peter Fling's back on the show. Timothy Fling. Timothy Fling. Uh, Peter Fling. Peter oh, Parker. Yeah. Peter Parker. Yeah, <laughs> I actually know. I think this happened before. I know a Peter Fling in real life, and I always get the mix up. Timothy Fling's back in the show. Uh, we're talking about Water Wars again with him. It's on Kickstarter, so looking forward to that. Really great guy. Really involved in the indie community. So we always love having people like that back on the show. Um, yeah. yeah the yeah. Recently found out he has family around me. Yeah, Florida. No. Oh, you're, in New oh. York. Oh, I thought he was from Florida. Oh, okay. So he has people around you, huh? Yeah, I, he might be from Florida. I can't remember that. But we were talking because he comes to visit. So he was like, dude, and we come up to visit New York soon. Um, I'm not going to give away the town I live in, but yeah, yeah. Um, he's actually going to be in the town I live in. And he's like, it's New York City. Here. He lives in New York City, is the town. So good luck finding Chris. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> when I say New York, that's where everyone says, oh, you're from the city. Yeah. Nah. Nah. from the city yeah um that's awesome dude that's really cool you connect with them yeah so cool man that's cool i look forward to that too but i look forward to you all listening to this interview we have with him because he's a good dude. yeah no he's a really good dude uh easily welcomed him back on the show yeah anytime yeah. he wants to come back yeah the funny thing about the the lansing interview last week was uh i don't know if he said it on air but he showed up in a suit and then he said i have to go to an oscar party after that, but we could have probably talked to Jackson uh, for three hours or let him do the talking for three hours just because he's doing so much shit. So always glad to have him back on the show. Yeah, I, it's tough with him and Kelly because I they know. do so much. It's yeah, it's like when we talk to Colin, it's like, what do we talk about? Because yeah. you have 80 books out. <laughs> and, and for anybody that's listened to the interview, we went through five of them and I was like sitting on the couch later that night and I was like, fuck, we forgot to talk about. And I can't even think of the book right now, uh, but we definitely missed one <laughs> that uh, that I was like, shit, I really wanted to talk to those guys about it. Oh, uh, the Flash Void Song book. Never even brought that up. 
Oh, the Aquaman <laughs> flashbook. Yeah, yeah, the Aquaman flashbook, Void Song. I wanted to be like, damn, dude, that was a really good book. Uh, <laughs> no, I didn't even get to chat about that. Um, yeah, so anyways, a lot of good stuff going on. We're just so fortunate that people want to come back in the show. So fortunate to have someone like Chris running the show um, because well, he is you. he is the brains behind everything. I it's just the first time I've been called the brains behind anything. Yeah, well, <laughs> fucking clip that and save it for as long as you want, buddy. That's all yours. I'll put that at the montage of my funeral. Yeah. I'm very happy to see Squirrel Girl behind you, though. You took her out of the packaging on her scooter, so that's awesome. Yes, I uh, put her on the scooter. She came with a bunch of little mini squirrels, which makes oh me happy. Oh, my God, that's awesome. Because <laughs> everybody knows so much I love squirrels. Yeah. So, yeah make sure the cat out. doesn't eat them. <laughs> I thought, so last night, he Greedo likes to do this thing where if I don't do what he wants... Yeah, he just like jumps on things and knocks them over, he and like will stare life. me in the eyes, like <laughs> yeah. into my soul, and be like, "Fucking give me what I want." Yeah, <laughs> and it was so. Normally, I wake up like five, four, mm-hmm. five in the morning for work, and it was like five thirty Saturday, mind you. I had just been out until one o'clock playing D anD D. Yeah, five o'clock, I hear a crash, and I thought he and I just put Squirrel Girl up, and I thought yeah. he knocked her over already. <laughs> I woke up like. Fuck. Not Squirrel Girl. <laughs> Come on. I looked over. He knocked over my Mego Batman Beyond, which uh, is still pretty bad, but still pretty bad. But that is, yeah, that's best Squirrel. Not as many little pieces I had to pick up. <laughs> uh Greedo, you son of a bitch. Um, all right. With that, I think we'll just we'll just jump into the news. That's awesome, though. Uh, if you want, real quick, actually, I actually watched some movies this week. Oh shit! Yeah, I'm normally not, I normally don't watch a whole lot of stuff. I did um, watch a couple things too. Now you just remind me, so let's hear it. Outside of our normal stuff. I finally watched Ghostbusters Afterlife. Dude, yeah, really good, right? It's awesome. Yeah. It's I, I had so much fun with it. And like oh, yeah. I'm gonna spoil something here because I gotta talk about it. It's been out for like over a year. Go ahead. It's been yeah, it's been actually almost two years. I looked it up. It's about a year and oh, a half. Because I think it was wow. late 2021. Oh my god. All right. Yeah. I'm old. So yeah, great, great movie. Just Everything about Ghostbusters in there. I actually, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do some blasphemy here because I'm not the biggest Ghostbusters fan. What? I think it's better than the original Ghostbusters. Yeah, I really do, okay. and I can see that. But it also because at the end the original cast comes back, that's kind of what makes and breaks right. the movie right there. So right. it couldn't be without the original dude. When Spangler shows up as a ghost holding his granddaughter's. Um, arms yeah i almost was in tears yeah it was yeah. so such a great scene for him yeah. to be there amazing tribute back to the character yeah, yeah. just so good so I, if if you're even like a i'm not the biggest ghostbusters fan in the world i'll admit that like i like yeah. the first two movies um that other one i don't really want to talk about but this one definitely was there, it's awesome was there a stranger things kid in that one yeah the the main Finn, stranger things kid. wolf guard whatever yeah Wolfman yeah. Jackson or whatever the hell his name is. <laughs> yeah, Wolfman Jackson. I look better <laughs> than Finn Wolfgard. Uh, but also, if you're a Paul Rudd fan, fucking watch that movie because Paul Rudd's so good in it. Paul Rudd. I mean, Paul Rudd's good in everything. Yeah, he's he just, is. Yeah. Also, what's up with like every Paul Rudd movie having a dairy or a burnt? No. Uh, uh, Baskin, Baskin Robbins. Robbins I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's like in his contract because, yeah, that was in the Marvel shit too, right? Yeah, it's, it's also Robbins. an Ant-Man 3. Like yeah. he goes back to Baskin Robbins. It's weird. Yeah. Uh, and then 
I finally sat down and rewatched the first Planet of the Apes movie, and I don't need to say much about that. Fucking oh, awesome yeah. movie. Yeah, I, I actually movie. just did that before we recorded, and I just love that movie. So I'm going to go through that entire series here soon. I will say this uh, on air, but I... <laughs> well, first, I watched uh, the new Top Gun. It's awesome. It's all you need to know. It's just as awesome as the original. Uh, same amount of 80s cheesiness. Really rough to see Val Kilmer and, and like, you know, because he, he had to have a... Uh, tracheotomy so it's really tough for him to talk which is but they kind of wrote it into the character which is good um and then i watched for the first time because uh you know everybody's been talking about the third one that came out magic mike i watched the first one because i was told by several people it's not a bad movie uh and yeah I, it was not a bad movie it actually had a really good plot besides washboard abs um you know and g-strings i know that's what most people are there for but Matthew McConaughey's character in that movie alone was fucking hilarious. Like that's, and that's worth the watch anyways. He's just like no. over the, it's just Matthew McConaughey being Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> um, so it was a lot of fun. Anybody's got any doubts watching that movie. It was, it was a lot of fun. I also, so I got a year of Peacocks. They did like a deal. Uh-huh. It was basically 20 bucks for the year. So I'm like, well, of course, like let's I'll buy it for yeah. that. Yeah. Right. Um, the new M. Night Shyamalan movie, uh, Knock at the Cabin. Yeah, I watched that. Did you watch it? No, but it's coming. Oh, okay. Well, as people are listening to this, it'll be on Peacock tomorrow. Okay. So this nice. is Thursday. And then uh, the all the John Wick movies are on there. And I think Shit. the joke of me not watching John Wick is no longer funny, so I think I'll actually sit down and watch them now. Yeah. And, <laughs> man, wow, sad news um, for John Wick fans. Yeah, I saw yeah, so yeah. Um, I I had no, I mean, Lance Reddick is huge, huge. Uh, I mean, if you're a huge Destiny fan, right? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say he was yeah. in Destiny as well. He's been yeah. a ton of stuff. He's phenomenal. Yeah, so wait, taking way too soon. I know his wife just posted a uh, thing as a few days ago now, but about his passing. I know him from Fringe, absolutely loved Fringe. His character was like the chief of police, the chief mm-hmm. of the... So good and obviously really good at John Wick. So man, that was that was really shitty to see. And he was still filming, I think, the John Wick um tie-in movie, Ballerina or whatever. So really because yeah, John Wick four just came out, right? Yeah, it's coming, coming out, out end of the month, but it's got the critic reviews are really good. This yeah. is almost a three hour action movie, by the way. Wow. <laughs> so like Dude, I need intermissions for these movies, especially action movies like John Wick, where it's like nonstop, like, bam, bam. like even an hour and a half is a lot where it's just like straight action killing people. It's like you need like. It's I love punchy, punchy movies, don't get me wrong, but like I need some breaks (laughs) between like for three hours. I feel Uh, I I remember like those last two Avengers movies. Uh huh. Like yeah. literally dehydrating myself the whole day. <laughs> yeah, three and a half hours. Because I'm like, I'm not leaving the theater. Like yeah. I will piss myself before I leave the theater. <laughs> Captain America might pick up Thor's hammer. I can't leave the fucking theater at all. No. Like, oh, <laughs> yeah. Who cares if I almost die. Yeah, I, I got a blood. I got a bladder infection, but I got to see uh, one of the Chris Chris Pratt. No, Chris. Mind you. Chris, at the know. time, I was working at a beverage company too. Oh yeah, yeah, that's even worse. <laughs> yeah, got a, I, you know, I had a, a bladder infection, but I got to see Captain America say Avengers Assemble, so it was worth it. It was worth it. Um, okay, we're gonna get into this the show now. 
uh, flash facts, everybody. Uh, you know, Pat's flash facts. He actually asked me not to say anything this week, but it was such a filler episode that I'm just going to say that. Uh, so episode six filler episode. Thanks for all you do for us. Pat flashbacks. Um, Flash went to an island of misfit kids and saved them. It's funny you say that because <laughs> I think in the episode, him and Iris go to like a, a moon, like a small moon and ha- spend the rest of the episode there. I swear to God. So like, you're not far off. <laughs> I don't even want to say any more than that. It's not worth it. Uh, Jeff Lemire talked recently about the possibility of an adaptation of his Black Hammer series. Please, God. He said that his hammers are spinning. Uh huh. Making us believe that he is in talks to bring the series to the screen. Um, yeah. I would say, hell yeah. Why not? Give it to HBO. Yeah, somebody. I mean, just don't go to Netflix, please. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I just, I, it's not that Netflix makes bad stuff. It's that I hate the limbo Netflix puts you in. Like, yeah. we're going to talk about Sweet Tooth in a minute. I thought Sweet oh, Tooth yeah. was canceled. Yeah, me too. We talked about this several times. Yeah. But yeah, I'm, I'm down. I, I love Black Hammer, especially mm-hmm. those first couple volumes. Um, just such good stuff. So ho- hopefully we get something. Yeah. Um, I mean, like in a world where Doom Patrol TV show worked, Black Hammer would work 100%. So um, Black Hammer will work too because it's just like the boys now works. We're like, yeah. you just kind of flip the script and make, because like Black Hammer is about comic book characters and kind of the weirdness of comic books. You just do that, but with right. TV and movies, just like the boys went from making fun of comic book heroes to making fun of super, superhero movies. Like, you yeah. know, it's, it's doable. It's I think it'll be really good. Um, yeah, so speaking of Sweet Tooth, Netflix announced that this week Sweet Tooth season two will premiere April twenty seventh, which is like a month away. Uh, it has been roughly two years since the first season came to Netflix. I don't think like, and we got a photo of a couple of the characters, Sweet Tooth and the uh, mini elephant boy. Um, I know we're excited about this. We loved the first season, uh, and yeah, we thought it was canceled, but then Netflix is like, surprise! <laughs> Next month we're getting a season, so. I mean, I didn't really search out, but yeah, I thought yeah. it was canceled, and I never really saw that they were filming or anything. Yeah, but I'm I'm glad they are, or yeah. glad they did, because they had that first season so good. Like, if it you haven't really watched is. it, it's one of the best things on Netflix, hands down. So yeah, yeah, I I think so. And I there's you know some changes made from the original comic book by Jeff Lemire, but either way, the characters the characterization is really good. The story is really good. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's very close to a one to one. But yeah, there are some changes yeah, made yeah. just like yep. anything. And uh, the child actor isn't annoying as hell. So that's a win in my book. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's that's what could have made or break that series is like, yeah, you get a bad kid actor. It's just done. Dead in the water. Yeah, yep. I'll never watch it again. Uh, Last of Us season finale, Chris. So answered our questions. Um, yeah, I mean, it's they. I mean, no, no spoilers there. If you played the game, they ended it where the, the game ends, the first game. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the, like, him John wicking the whole hospital scene was pretty sick. Um, you know, the last episode we had uh, Troy Baker in it, right? And then you talked about in this episode we had uh, uh, the voice of Ellie. Ashley Johnson. Ashley Johnson. Uh, who actually plays her mother, which is cool to see that how that happens with, you know, the mom dying and everything. 
which is not only an addition from the game, but a good, I mean, it's a fine addition. I don't yeah. really care how she gets yeah. her quote unquote right. powers. Right. But I did love that she is the mother of Ellie. Like that. Yeah. Yeah. That transition. It's so good. Yeah. Yeah. It was cool. Um, yeah. I think to me, it was just weird pacing because, you know, we weren't sure where they're going to end the first season. We got a couple episodes that felt like they took some characters from the game and they expanded it further for like a whole episode, a little more than probably they did in the games. And then like the episode abruptly ends where the game ends. So to me, it was like, okay, maybe they weren't so sure they were going to do a second season. Um, I'm not sure. I, I think either way, though, I thought it was it was not a bad way to end it. Yeah, there's no way they thought they're getting a second season. Uh, yeah. I'll say uh, overall, like, it's great. It's it's going to be up there with top things at the end of the year. Um, mm-hmm. So, but my only criticism is, yeah, this episode is weirdly paced. It felt rushed. Yep. Uh, and looking back at the series as a whole, those two episodes I mentioned, I really thought episode three is so good that I would almost keep it just because of how good it is. I, and I, yeah, for sure. But episode, I think it was episode seven, the left behind episode. Mm-hmm. They should have scrapped that or done oh, it as like a special yeah. later on and then like, yeah, expanded on things that were left out. Because, like her and her friend or whatever. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, it's one. I don't care what I don't care how Ellie got infected. Like all yeah. I need to know is she got infected. But two, like the whole episode just felt like, why am I here? Yeah, like, I didn't really care. Uh, and yeah, like you said, you could have that as a flashback flashback in season two or some shit, you know? Yeah. I think they seem to trim some fat off of stuff they expanded on that mm-hmm. felt like filler for lack mm-hmm. of a better word. Yeah. And, and really got into the story itself more because they did kind of meander away from the story too much, which made it feel rushed near the end. Yeah. But that's a minor complaint and overall really great series. So for sure. Yeah. Um, speaking of fillers, uh, <laughs> Mandalorian episode three. I have not watched this episode yet because people have been telling me that it's a filler and not a very good episode is what I've been hearing. So I'll let you tell me what you think. Um, Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's so here's here's where I'm going to split my difference here. Mm -hmm. Mandalorian being a part of Star Wars. lets me. I'm going to have more excuses for the filler is what I'm going to say here. Okay. uh Um. Because this is a filler in as much as we the first part we get Mando and uh Bo Katan and what they're doing, and then it mm-hmm. ends with Mando and Bo Katan and like kind of them coming back. We also get some cool moments where like there's basically Imperial fighters still running around, like these little squadrons that still mm-hmm. are loyal to the Empire, which mm-hmm. makes me feel like this series or possibly another one is going to expand how they become the first order. But that aside. It is filler in as much as it's about that scientist on the, from like two seasons ago that was doing the cloning. And I, I think I remember. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And it's him kind of in this rehabilitation program for the New Republic. Think The reason I'm going to give excuses for it is I like that it shows more flavor to the world that we're mm-hmm. in. And because we're in a grander universe, an ex- expanded universe, I like that that's we got to see this part of it that like kind of the new Republic isn't that much different than the empire. And as much as like they're, they're trying to rehabilitate these people, quote unquote, but like their tactics are very similar. (laughs) 
they bring him in. He's not, you know, he's being used for certain things. And then we see at one point, like he gets his, um, he undergoes a type of torture Mm -hmm. and all this. So I really liked it for that reason. I don't think it's a bad episode. I don't, I, is it a Mando episode though? Because I think like three Dude. episodes in, yeah. Do we know where Mando? Where like where is the season going? Like, what's the end goal of the season? We, it's. T- I think we do. In as much as I, I feel like the way the episode ends with Mando and Bo-Katan, you get an idea that like their new mission is to reunite the Mandalorian race. Okay. So their story does progress. Mm-hmm. It's just a very tiny part of this overall episode. I get it. Okay. It does also set up things. If you're if you're only watching Mandalorian, this episode's yeah. the worst. <laughs> yeah. Okay. If you're me, That's... who's like really into Star yeah. Wars stuff, like yeah, yeah, consuming they talk it all. about cloning. They talk about why he was proceeding with cloning, which kind of yeah. sets up what happens later on in Episode Nine mm-hmm. of the the movies, like. There's a lot here to love for the expanded universe. Mm-hmm. Did it need to be an episode of Mandalorian? Probably not. Yeah. So I'm not going to sit here and be like, it was the greatest episode ever. Right, but right. I get you. Yeah. I enjoyed it for what it was as mm-hmm. much as I really did want more Mando. And I thought this could have been something else. But yeah. It's all good. I think it's a good episode. I don't think it's yeah. bad. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's all I heard. No, no. But hearing your explanation, I mean, I'm going to watch it either way. And I knew you would you would give me your opinion as being a big Star Wars fan. So I get it. I also have a lot more faith that this is going to tie into something later on. Like this isn't just a, if this is a one-off and we never see this guy again, and we Mm -hmm. never hear about what happened in this episode again, I will take back everything. It's, it's that kind of makes it a bad episode because it is 100% filler at that point. Yeah. We are 100% though, coming back to this in some way. We are going to see, I think at some point, I don't know if it'll be in Mando, but we'll see Anakin Skywalker killing younglings, right? Probably in like um, Ahsoka's show. Yeah, like because we know Grogu should have been there, right? Is that how that works? I don't think they said whether he was there or not. Uh, Let me check it though. Okay. He's going to he's going to do the research, but I think that's was he? I don't know. I don't know how that would work in the timeline. because now I'm kind of messed up on like what the timeline actually is. But or was he was Grogu at where Luke's trade? No, because Luke, no, Luke's already met him during the siege of the Jedi Temple. Grogu witnessed the death of three Jedi at the hand of the 501st Legion. So uh, someone had taken Grogu from the Jedi Temple after the Galactic Empire rose to power and hid him. So, yes, he was at that. Mm. okay so yeah that's, at some point we yeah. should see him there did we already see him there actually well there was that i'm trying to think of the uh i don't know i watched the, so much shit it's hard to remember well, the, like little the details Obi, like so the obi-wan show the obi-wan show was um the you remember the villain she was a kid that was at the jedi temple she was a youngling yes maybe but that's that, what i'm thinking about then. yeah that's what you're thinking about, but like we never saw. I mean, that was before all of this. Was this the season where we saw like kind of the flashback in the trailer? Yes, that we did. Uh, yeah, that was for this. Yep. We did yes, because me and you debated whether it was that or whether yeah. it was High Republic. Okay. Yeah. 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 Yep. 
Well, I do a Star lot Wars of talking stuff. on the internet, everybody. I watch a lot of content. <laughs> I can't remember everything 100%. I'm sure we cleared it up for everybody listening. So yeah, yeah we'll move on. Everybody's like, can these two stop arguing yeah, about stuff they talked about up. months ago? Yeah. Uh, James Gunn announced this week that he's indeed going to direct Superman Legacy. We knew that Gunn was writing the script for the first movie in DC's cinematic universe. But with this announcement, it's safe to say he's ushering the new era full force with his, you know, his lead directing it. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, that's great. Yeah, <laughs> I don't really know what else to say. Yeah, yeah that makes, makes me, me want to see it even more. Yep. Um, I do like though that this means that I mean he was already writing it, so like his story was going to get through. But this means that like, much like Zack Snyder directed Man of Steel, mm-hmm. and that kind of ushered in what the DCU was then. Yeah, and that's why like Suicide Squad's a really dark movie with no lights, and yep. <laughs> and so and even like shazam like the villains are like these demons that are kind of terrifying and stuff that ushered in that feeling him doing this kind of ushers in his feeling moving forward which i like i think will be good yeah um i and the way you brought up uh zach's zach snyder uh the snyder cut the just league because there was that interview this week where people try to make it look like ben affleck was shitting on James Gunn, which he was not doing. He just said with all the stuff he had to go through with reshooting Justice League and his drinking problems and stuff, he won't ever do a DC movie again, like a big budget film because of the reshoots and just the uh, the scheduling. But he did say that, and this is crazy. I didn't know this. Um, the, The Snyder cut of the Justice League is like his highest rated film that he's acted in. What? He said that in the interview and I was like, I couldn't believe that. So I have to like go to Rotten Tomatoes and look um, because he said that. I'm like, I swear he was in other movies, but that. Um, Even that Zack I mean, Snyder fans have to admit he's been in better movies. Yeah, I mean, fine. Better movies. But let's see. Snyder cut. Oh, yeah. 93% audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. 71% on the tomato meter. So it is fairly high. It's a. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was, I, that's I mean, 71%. Um, let's see yeah. a, two much better movies, the town in Argo, 92 and 96. Yeah. I don't know why um, you said that. The audience is 93 on Snyder cut. Let's take Argo. Argo's 90. Uh, okay. The town town's 85. So I could see the audience. I mean, cause yeah. the Snyder fans so, maybe, are going to come yeah. to that. Yeah. The Snyder fans are like, let's upvote the shit out of that. So. I just thought it was, he didn't have anything bad to say about it. It's just like it took a toll on him personally. So um, no, I want to know what the Daredevil. Oh, oh Daredevil. God. Oh, God. Yep, what is Daredevil? Correct. 43 tomato meter audience score of 35%. So whoever that 35% is, they need to get their head checked. <laughs> Best movie ever. Uh, with the second anniversary, speaking of all this, with the second anniversary coming up of Justice League Snyder cut, Zack Snyder took to Twitter to tease something new coming with an image that says incoming message from dark side then followed by another that stated life is a cycle from birth to death to rebirth and so the hero's journey is a cycle as well a continuous journey of growth and transformation april 28th 29th 30th while some fans are hoping for this means the return of the snyderverse that seems highly unlikely with james gunn's new dc entertainment universe in early stages of development uh so maybe this means they're going to release another cut of the movie. I don't know. What what could this be? It's going to be next month, right? So Please don't. <laughs> yeah. So life is a cycle from birth to 
death to rebirth. So the hero's journey is a cycle as well. So two, so one I saw online was the possibility of a theatrical release because this came out during the pandemic. So there wasn't really a uh, theatrical okay. release. Okay. Maybe. I don't know. I yeah. could see it because like get some money back for it. Yeah. Just for one weekend. That makes more. That That's probably the most sense. What I kind of was like tinfoil hatting was wouldn't it be cool if like DC reached out and I think we've talked about this before, but DC yeah. reached out and was like, the fans want to know the rest of your story. Yeah. Let's just do a comic. Yeah. Let's just do a comic with part two and three. You can tell the finale of your extended universe and maybe that'll shut up like 20 fans who read comics still. <laughs> yeah. I guess I he does say a journey of growth and transformation, right? So transforming into a comic book. All right. I could get my tinfoil hat on for this shit. I could. I'm not even the biggest Snyder Cut fan. I would buy this comic. Oh, hell yeah. Like, yeah. Hell yeah. Hands down. And apparently those dates coincide with a uh, a Snyder Con or something. I'm what? Not, I'm not like in on all. I, I should be searching this ahead of time, but I was too busy uh, watching Planet of the Apes. That's all right. Um, yeah, there's some sort of Snyder Con. Am I making this up? Oh, yeah. Is a Snyder? Is a convention for Zack Snyder? Uh, I mean possibly maybe it's just an online thing he does well i guess oh, we'll find out it uh, was it's coming up in the next couple of days so as people are listening to this it's already okay. happened but it's okay. like uh alongside people to watch the films was that so it's basically him watching the movies he does a q a like oh okay interesting maybe that's old news that they thought it was going to coincide with snyder con but yeah yeah there's a snyder con so either it's coming out for a weekend at a theater or more tinfoil hat shit. It's coming out as a comic book. I think both are pretty probable and uh, I would probably read the comic if it came out. So. goes back to what I said last week about Harry Potter. Yeah. DC, if you want to make money, this is another surefire. Like everybody oh will flock. If you had a variant cover, if you had f- like 35 variant covers of the first issue of Harry Potter, you'll sell out everywhere. Those Potter fans are no joke. Yeah. And the Snyder fans are the same way. Like they will yeah. come and buy this book. And I know a few people like myself who are critical of the Snyder verse. Yep. That will also come and just see what this is all yeah. about. Well, I, I could, you know, I was bitching about Zack Snyder, but I'll read the book. I'll, you know, I'll take one. Oh, this one's got Batman on the cover. I'll take, I'll take both issues. Yeah. <laughs> no, we, but we both been there. So I now we were like, okay, I guess I'll flock to the comic shop to buy an issue of this. <laughs> yep. Um, with that, let's get to this interview, everybody, with uh, Timothy Fling, and we'll see you all on the other side. All right, everybody, we got another very special guest for you, a returning special guest. Everybody, welcome back to the show, Timothy Fling. Welcome, Tim. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, uh, thanks for being back. And, you know, we had to have you back, most importantly, because of all of your lovely backdrops that you have. You're you're <laughs> one of the few that likes to put their stuff behind them like they're at a con when they're doing interviews and always appreciate that. <laughs> thanks, man. I, I really appreciate you saying it's something that what we've been talking about, and I love talking to you guys about yeah. this, is that I'm at the stage where I have to uh, increase my branding, they call mm-hmm. it, right? Yep. And to essentially to try and level up this year. And, you know, I'm a big fan of you guys' podcast, and I think you do great work. And one of the Thank things you. that you've probably noticed is that some people don't seem to really 
how do I say this? I don't want to be disparaging to anybody because right, right. it takes all kinds of great people. But some people don't necessarily put a whole lot of effort into the production quality of their shows where mm. you guys have a nice production quality. So I want to make sure I brought my A game. Wow. <laughs> you know what <laughs> I mean that, by that? It's always yeah. funny. Like you, you interview some people and they've got their roommate coming in behind them and using the bathroom, that kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Hey, I'm not making fun of everybody. No, you know, no. That's, yeah. It's right. this thing that happens. But for me, I'm trying to build visibility toward my books and uh, the series that I'm promoting and also to help build my YouTube channel. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm actually, I'm trying, I'm in the process of trying to buy a house within the next year. And that's going to be one of the things like there's going to be a room and that's going to be the podcast room, the podcast room. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and it's really going to be the comic room, but it's a podcast. Room. <laughs> As you guys probably know, I'm a comic collector too. And wow, yeah, yeah. originally this was my basement, but now in my basement I have, we do what they call a Kickstarter fulfillment. And that means that at any given time, there's probably, I mean, it's probably a little over 500 books down there all spread out on this. I'll be honest with you. What it is, it's a ping pong table. Yeah. <laughs> but hey, it's like. Gets the job done. It gets the job done, yeah. right? Yeah. But you can say, hey, so if you need issue one, it's here, issue three, because they tend to be, not every customer buys the same thing. So I've got to have everything sort of spread out like an assembly line and you click down the line and you fill the orders. But the problem with that is it took up all the room that I was using to make the podcast with. So I'm going to need another, I guess that's the right kind of problem. Now I have too many books, yeah. but you know, yeah. I, yeah. I'm going to need a separate podcasting area. And just between us right now, what you're seeing is I'm actually in the kitchen with like lamps and stuff around me. And this is just, I have the banners behind me for a better backdrop. That's awesome. And I, I like to, I like to see the, you know, the titles of the books with your name highlighted, like it's always important to have your name, especially on the cover too. Do we, you know, Hey, we're talking to Tim today. Right. Uh, these are his books. And yeah, that was a, that was a nice little flex you had there. 500 books because you have been building reputation on Kickstarter, right? I mean, you're coming up on your yeah, next this is one. Number, it's, it's the sixth of my own and I've yeah. been in, I guess, you know, two or three anthologies. So, right. um, and of course the anthologies, I want to give all the credit to the creators. Cause I'm just in that case, what they call a contributor. Um, this current one, it is a water wars based story, but yep. it's in Travis Gibbs new book, which is called tales from the collective initiative. And it's, uh, it's live on Kickstarter right now. And it features, uh, four of the best indie creators in the market today. Some of them whose work I really admire, um, Edward Davis is in there with one of his immortal era stories. Austin Janowski's in there with his uh, zombie story. It's good stuff. And I was very fortunate to be included. Um, I'm very grateful to be associated with these guys. It, it's, it's, it's good for me. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really grateful for all these things that are happening. If you would have told me last year, this is all what would happen. I probably wouldn't have believed it, but it's like they say, people often underestimate, what is going to happen in five years. Like, you know, I just, I'm a writer, right? I didn't know I was going to become a publisher. I didn't know I was going to be making videos. These things all happened accidentally while I was doing the other things. So um, I guess you just have to try and learn as much as you can and that's, keep going. Yeah. That's and that's pretty awesome to be included on something like that. So um, I yeah, think it's important about- to mention real quick. You said four of the best uh, comic creators, None of them are Travis Gibb. Yeah. Well, None he, of Travis, them. 
in this <laughs> yeah, case, <laughs> he's the publisher, I guess. It's yeah, true. right, yeah. right, yeah. <laughs> and he, he's got a pretty strong reputation, too. No, um, we love Travis, yeah. Do you? Okay, good, because... Yeah. No, we're fr- yeah, Chris is good friends with Travis. Yeah, we Travis is a bum. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we can say these things, and it won't, hey, it won't I, fall I, back I tell you, on us. Let's take a second, then, and, tr- yeah. and gossip about Travis Gibb, yeah, because I'm going to tell you something that's going to surprise you. Yeah, yeah. So I've been telling him for months, hey, you know, I got this YouTube channel and I'm trying to build it. And what we do, we take these 11 items and we talk about the top 11. They're lists and people can come in and argue. And we talk about, well, maybe comics or this and that. And, you know, he worked on a uh, his new song is a his new book is a kid's book and it has a song with it. And it's this really catchy song. Right. And I like jokingly said, how about something musical, like maybe Broadway musicals? And honestly, I said this is about half a joke and thinking yeah. that Travis would not be knowledgeable about Broadway musicals. And he goes, hey, man, I'll take it. He comes on the show. He is the most knowledgeable guy about Broadway musicals and musicals in general that you wow. could imagine. And, and wow. we just had a terrific time. That's and not amazing. only that, it was what I would call a surprisingly personal interview by which i mean as you guys know sometimes the interviews that can go a number of different directions oh for sure yeah and sometimes mm-hmm. you delve into somebody's background and their past and you'll get these very personal and emotional stories and I mean, travis just did a hell of a job and i was just, i was really impressed so if you like uh, musicals or if you want to know more about travis please come check it out that's that's great i would have never you know that's not something i'd ever bring up because i mean we're always here to promote you know your guys stuff when you're on the show but that's that's awesome. That that's just something he's very knowledgeable about, and it just like makes me like Travis even more. <laughs> yeah, right. And like for example, some of the things that we mentioned, he was actually in productions of them. <laughs> like yeah. when he was wow. in school, wow. you know, wow. like he was in The Wizard of Oz, and he was in. I think it was. Oh, okay. Was it Godspell? It might have been Jesus Christ Superstar. And I was just oh like, my god, really? That's, yeah, <laughs> like, that's awesome. You know, it surprised even me. And yeah. I, I think maybe we, we talked about this before. I'm a musician. I've been a bassist mm. most of my okay. life, so I've been in a few of these things. But I'm always the guy that's a little bit behind the scenes, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Nobody's knocking the door down to meet the bassist, you know. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know that was that was my interaction with them. Yep. Hey, but someone's yeah, got to play gotta... bass, though. You're a vital part of the music. I'll tell oh, you. Oh man, thanks. I knew I loved you. Yeah. Someone has <laughs> someone has to have play that bass line. All right. You could think you don't need it. You need it, everybody. If you're trying to start a band. Yeah. To thanks for saying that. Yeah. Thanks for saying yeah. that. Somebody's got to round up the groupies for everybody else while they sit alone in the corner. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, There's a pretty famous meme that shows about how the guys in the band, and it's like the, uh, you know, the first is the lead singer, and he's got all the girls around him, and then yeah. it's the lead uh, guitarist, and he's got all the flashy guitars, and he's got the cool cars pulling up, yeah. and then it's the yeah. bassist, and he's holding the door open for the other guys. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's hey, still a vital part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, somebody's uh, got to hold the door open. Yeah, that's awesome. So let's talk about that. Uh, those that small story you're doing of uh, Water Wars. How does that? How does that tie in with everything else you've done? Is it kind of like a side story with some familiar characters that we know? Or it, it is a little bit. And I'll just quick explain it. The you know the world of the Water Wars is kind of like what it is. It's an overarching series of short stories. And what I mean by that, you can buy any one issue. Like if you buy number three. That's a complete issue, and you can read the stories that are in it. You don't have to read number one because it's continued. The one part that is always overarching is the world that they are in. Like it might be a different character in number three and number one, but they live and interact in the same place and in the same timeline. And in this case, the short story that we made for uh, Travis Gibbs, 
It is his Travis Gibbs new collection is it's called the ascendance of the Terramorph. And it was designed to be, it's a little bit like a tribute to these 1950s classic sci-fi movies. Nice. And what I mean by that there, it's almost, I don't want to say it's silly, but you know, it has the feel a little bit of a B movie. And the plot of it is, there's a, a scientist, she's a female geneticist, and she's racing against time to deactivate her experiment before a pandemic causes the collapse of civilization. And what, what is revealed is what she's been working on is this new breed of creatures, which are spliced DNA creatures that are half human and half animal. And she has bred into them a resistance to this disease, which is called E76, which is in the other story. And the whole idea is right when she gets to the end, the, the creature is, you realize he's influencing her mind, you know, like free me, free me. Oh, wow. Okay. And, and then I, I, I don't want to, I guess, don't want to give away the spoiler too much. Right, right. But that, that's the idea of it. Will she save the human race or destroy mm -hmm. it? And wow. if you're reading the stories of Water Wars 2288, this is when we go, oh, so that's why this weird world is full of monsters. Yeah. Yes, mm -hmm. this is why. Oh, and that's very you, cool. Uh, yeah. So the stories, like I was saying, you really don't have to read them in sequence or anything like that. You can read just one. But if you're the type of person who likes lore, and who likes the background material, you can look through and be like, so that's why she has one arm. Yes, we did explain that. Oh, so that's <laughs> why the robots hate the humans. Yes, yeah. that's in number two. Oh, yeah. so that's why the disease killed everybody. Yes, that's in number one. Like it's mm -hmm. all answered somewhere. And okay. in Ascendance of the Terramorph answers the question, why are there genetically enhanced minotaurs? Why is the sky filled with these flying creatures? they've all been set loose by science mm -hmm. officer Jenkins, the last surviving science officer. Mm. And, you know, those science officers are always breaking quarantine. You know, that's, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and that's it, like it, the, the lovely trope of, you know, sci-fi movies, you know, the first thing they do PhD breaks quarantine. It's like, come on. Scientists really? are the worst. They really <laughs> are. And I just want to quick mention, cause I know you guys are fans of this material too. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what it's designed for. Like if you like those sort of corny yeah. sci-fi movies where, yep. where the scientists break the rules and their creation ends up destroying the world, man, yeah. you will love this short okay. story. And that's Amazing. exactly, yeah. that's exactly what it's designed for. I'm, I'm on board, man. All I can think about is like, you know, the alien movies where it's like, Oh, we have like a parasitic alien in this room. And I'm a PhD doctor. Let me break quarantine and infect everyone. <laughs> it's like, no, right. you'll never do that. <laughs> right. Let me open exactly. this door and kill us all. Uh, amazing. So I, I think that's really cool that you you know, you know got involved with Travis. It sounds like a really cool story that ties into everything else. Um, well, because, and they were great yeah. to work with, too. Um, I didn't know at the time. You know, what I've been doing, you guys know I'm a short story writer. And for many years, I had written short stories and essentially never got any traction with yep. simple short stories. And that's a different path. You know, you submit to anthologies and this kind of thing. And finally, somebody said to me, hey, you ought to try having these illustrated, right? And because I had always loved comics. That isn't new. It's my favorite thing. Right. And so what I have been doing, of course, I write and publish my own series, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. Oh, yeah. Yep. But I made a point to say, hey, I'm going to write this, and I'm going to submit it here. And I'm going to write this, and I'm going to submit it here. And I would kind of watch and see what kind of things that they were doing and see if I could get the stories in. But the difference is I would write the stories what I call framed. Like, in other words, they fit in my universe, but they would also fit in that person's anthology they were making like for example last year i did the short story uh 
with Russell Nolte's Cthulhu is hard to spell. Yep. And what they were looking for was Lovecraftian short stories. And I was never really a big Lovecraft guy. Do you guys like Lovecraft at all? Yeah. He's okay, right? I, like, not, I yeah. like the monsters, you know. That's, right, that, right. I the like monsters, Cthulhu. <laughs> yeah, arguably yeah. the monster is the best part. But yeah. he's not an easy read, let's be honest, and the material I, is very dense. I yep. actually bought the complete, like, um, Lovecraft short story book and everything, mm-hmm. and yeah, they are rough. It's really dense. You know, it's hard to read through. And even the way he describes the creatures, like he doesn't say, well, it was a monster with tentacles and he had a hundred eyes. It's like, he was an unspeakable horror that defied imagination. Well, yeah. Dude, that doesn't really tell us what he looked like. Yeah. You need to help us out. <laughs> yeah. Help me out a little bit. Yeah. So in my case, we wrote a short story and it is about these three monks. And here, by the way, I'm not on his show today, so I'll spoil it with you. Remember the water wars stories always end on what we call a twist. Like if you like Twilight Zone or Night Gallery or any of those classic films, you know, the last sequence always, wait, what? It's a twist at the end. Right. So in this one, the twist was you meet these three monks and they're trudging through the snow, right? And it's this blizzard. And what you realize is that the world has had this polar cataclysm, okay? And what they're doing is they're trying to free this elder god from another dimension to summon it back to Earth. So anyway, they get to the... uh, they summon the God from this other, and she's a female, by the way, this Lovecraftian horror. And she comes through the portal and she says, I'm ready to conquer earth. Where are the souls? And the robot says, well, uh, there's been an error. And she says, what do you mean an error? And he says, well, there was a war between the humans and robot kind. And we were trying to tip the balance in our favor. So we adjusted the temperature. And she says, what do you mean? And she looks around, there's snow blanketing everything and school buses are covered and the cities are all covered with snow. And he says, well, it was our error. We have effectively ended all human life. And the guy pulls his hood back and the monks are three robots. And he says, only your mechanical disciples remain. And anyway, the idea is so there's no more souls for her to take. That's awesome. Yeah, it's pretty cool, right? And of course, that one ended up getting picked up by the book. So I'm very happy about that. And of course, the great thing is, um, it's still included. It can be, you know, we have post-apocalyptic short stories in our books, so I can put that into my next book. The cool thing about Russell and Travis, you retain the rights to your stories, so you can still use them. And so that, that was actually in. my next question for you, because I assume at some point we're going to do a trade of all the Water Wars stuff, so this would have to be included into it. Correct. And yeah. what we've talked about doing is... Um, we're even to go back and we're going to put them all in kind of sequential orders. You know what I mean? So that you can read through and it'll all be a correct timeline, which maybe isn't even really necessary to do that. But it is at this point, it's got well, number four just came out. I was telling you guys, we have our fulfillment is this week. So roughly about 50% of the customers have their books already. Wow. So yeah. Wow. And the, the plan is when we get to number five, it'll include the error of the last acolyte story It'll include the Ascendance of the Terramorph story, and it'll also include Water Wars 2288, Volumes 1 through 4, which will be something like, I mean, 120 pages, maybe more than that. And I kind of want to write even one more story, but, you know, maybe that's for the next volume. I guess I'll see how many pages it is. But, you know, people like trades, so now there's enough material to where it's, it's coming. Yeah. Yeah, we definitely like trades. They look nice on the bookshelf. 
For yeah, me. and we started doing this thing. We do the chrome enhanced logos on the oh, trays. Yeah. So oh, when you yeah. hold them, they're like shiny. And I even yep. do when you turn the spine, the spine is like a shiny logo on the spine. I'm a sucker for oh. the shiny spine. You just, yeah, you just hold <laughs> yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah. And by the yep. way, it's uh it's a little more expensive to do that, but it's not crazy. It adds like, you know, you know, two dollars a book or something. But in the trades, I'm generally gonna be around that. I guess that's probably gonna be around a nineteen dollar book or maybe, you know, twenty two, something like that. Yeah, that's, that's pretty I, good. With chrome on it, sold. Yeah. Yeah. We have the Water Wars Chronicles. That's the hand-painted one. That's the one that's already out. That's 106 pages. And that is, that's chrome logo, and that's 24 for that one. Okay, I'll be buying that after the episode. So, so it's in, in the wheelhouse, right? And then I guess yeah. not too long after that, I guess I should start taking a look at a hardcover. I haven't done that yet. Oh, uh, that'd be nice. Yeah. yeah. That'd be really cool. Yeah, I, I'm actually... I don't buy a ton of trades anymore, but hardcovers get me every time. Mm-hmm. I've got a yep. couple hardcovers coming. Because I even like the big publishers don't do a lot of hardcovers. You know, you got to have something special. And like when I just I love the seeing a hardcover on the shelf and then you know holding it. I, I I prefer that. But yeah, I definitely want to do that as soon as I am able. So that's something that I got. Basically, my next two projects this year will be. I have my next Kickstarter coming up. That is going to be for the cryptid book. And then Water Wars number five will be right behind that. And when I say number five, really, that'll be a tr- it's a trade of the whole thing with these two new stories in it. Awesome. Can't wait for that. That was a good transition. Let's talk yeah. about some cryptids. Yeah. Let's yeah. Talk about yeah. So, yeah. So and that's that. something um, I'm real excited about this, guys. So thanks for asking. I'm really grateful that you guys give a platform to indie creators and I got to stress. Yeah. I got to stress how important it is for a guy at my level to have a way to tell people about these books. You know, sometimes it takes a really long time to make one. And then sometimes you get right to the finish line and you kind of feel like there's not too much interest or whatever. Right. Mm So I'm really grateful that for what you guys are doing for me. Thanks. Thank you. So the next book here, it's called call of the cryptid and what it is, it is a cryptid based science fiction visual adventure. And it is, uh, it has sort of what we call the hand painted look similar to the stories in the hunchback or lost at sea. Like if you look behind me, see the hunchback there, how he's mm-hmm. kind of hand painted. That's what yep. the cryptid book looks like. Okay. And each book features a new cryptid or sometimes two in each book being released. And it, it's going to run for four issues. And the first one starts with the premise of it is after an alien encounter, a young girl gains the ability to communicate with a race of legendary monsters. And the idea is she's like a typical American teenager in the 1980s, and she's really into music and stuff and got troubles in school and all the regular stuff. And then one night she is abducted by aliens. When she gets back, they have reset the timeline as if it didn't happen. They've sort of erased her memory. And she's her radio keeps acting up like she's being contacted by these creatures. And that is essentially the premise of the first volume. So on the one hand, you have the creatures on the other hand, you have the aliens and the men in black. Are you a fan of the men in black? Oh, yeah. Okay, because they feature pretty prominently in the first book. They're the bad guys. Uh, yeah. You, yeah, you're speaking my language. Okay. Well, I guess I'll give you the twist because, I mean, we're talking about it on the air. Because the twist of this one is that it turns out that the cryptids are, in fact, n- not the bad guys. In fact, they're on our side in trying to repel this alien invasion. What the aliens are trying to do is to 
they're trying to bring about this being of pure mathematics to control the universe, to bring order to the universe. And it's a little bit of an anti-AI message. Okay, interesting. That's yeah. a positive message. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm, a, I'm one of the guys. I'm staunchly against AI. That's my, yeah, it's kind of scary. Has yeah, nobody we, watched Terminator? Yeah. Or <laughs> right, exactly. acted like it never happened. I mean, come on. James Cameron warned us of this, everybody. Yeah, come on. We should know. <laughs> well, and coming. I'm one of the fellas. I've got a horse in this race. You know, some yeah, of the artists right. say things like, uh, you know, if you're an artist, your work can be what they call scrubbed. And what they mean by scrubbed is you'll see this AI will start to put out artwork that is similar to your artwork. And they don't necessarily credit the prior artists. And all of a sudden you'll see a work of art, you know, on social media or wherever you get your artwork. And it'll look like somebody that you know and admire, and it'll have nothing to do with that person. And in my case, what happened was I actually saw it in a Facebook post. There's an author by the name of Ben Krieger, whose work I also admire. And he said, hey, does Tim Flang know about this? And it was on Reddit. And the guy was putting out his new book called Water Wars. And it was the cover of the book. And it looked like my logo and looked like my artwork. And it even looked like the character. And I was like, what? I said, I didn't know about this. And he said, you might want to contact this fella. He's an AI generated art guy. Wow. So I wrote to him and I said, because first you start out real nice, right? You say, yeah. hey, fella, hey, you might not have known this. Uh, I'm right. writing a series here called Water Wars. It's been out about five years now, published yeah. internationally. It's got a trademark, the whole bit, been in anthologies. It's you know published right. overseas. And right. he was like, oh, man, I'm sorry. I didn't know, blah, blah, blah. He said, listen, I didn't even write the story yet. I used an AI generator and it must have scrubbed your images. And I was like, yeah, it must have. What anyway, the- he took it right down, so yeah. it all ended well. But I was like, now that it affected me, yeah. Look, I'm, yeah. I'm anti-AI. Like, you don't even have to ask the person, you see. Right, right. That's crazy. And I mean, That's I'm insane. telling you, I, I should show you, it, it looked like, it even looked like the cover of one of my books. Wow. Yeah, he probably he, he probably, like, put in some AI thing, like the chat GPT or something, like, create me a... Create me a story I could write a comic about, and it like you know pulls your images off. Yeah, because of most of the keywords that you would yeah. use appear right. in my book. Right. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. It's fun to be like Joe Biden on a surfboard, and then you get like this weird image that's like yeah. cobbled together. Right. That's as far as I've ever taken AI to be like, yeah, let's use this as a comic. Like, uh, I don't know this. Right. Well, and now that it's advancing, you can even say things like, "Draw me a." four panel Batman page in the style of Neil Adams. Like it'll emulate his style. And, yeah. that, and it, that's where it is now. Imagine where it'll be in three years, you know? Yeah. 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 That's crazy. But yeah, on a more yeah. positive it, note. It's funny. I yeah. swear you brought that up because the latest uh, South Park episode, like last week was all about that. Like people using AI generated responses and then using AI generated work. And so that we eventually just live in like AI repeating itself. You know what I mean? Like people communicating through AI. So it's like, nobody's, you know, being an individual. And I was like, wow, that's a lot more scary than I thought. Yeah. It's a scary time. It's a scary (laughs) time. So what I'm trying to do is to lean away from that stuff. Right. Right. To circle back around, you know, like, so we got this cryptid book, which is using this, what we call the hand painted look for the Mm -hmm. artwork. And that's by my partner, Erwin Arosa. And it's going to have some cool things too. Like we're going to have a couple of sets of cryptid trading cards and we do what they call a Chrome enhanced trading card. 
And what it is, it's a two-layer printing process by which one layer is chrome and then the bottom layer is ink. So that when you turn it, it looks like a mirror kind of. Okay, cool. And the mm -hmm. last one we did was it was robot Marilyn Monroe. And it was like you're it was like it's a little bit oh, like that's... looking at a mirror. And yeah. when it reflects, you can see her slogan, the wording uh -huh. at the bottom. Yeah. And the new one is gonna be it's gonna be like you're looking in a spaceship door, kinda. And then the, the aliens coming out and he has a little bit of the look of something like the day the earth stood still where he's like sort of coming out a portal. And then the shiny part, it's like, he's going to be coming out of this shiny blue. It's going to look like he's coming out of something blue and shiny on the car. Okay. Okay. Very cool. Yeah. And That's we're awesome. really digging the design of it. And, um, you know, we've got a couple of things. Of course we write our own songs. One of them is that if we get to a certain stretch goal and I'm still figuring out exactly what, the stretch goals will be, but it's going to have a, it's sort of what I call a, it's a 1950s movie theme song, okay. but it's got a heavy metal feel to it. What I mean is it's got dual guitar. It's as if Iron Maiden was playing it. Okay. Awesome. Okay? But it. it's also going to have I'm like, if you listen to those old movies, they have yeah. what I call a theremin. Do you know what a theremin is? It's oh like, yeah. House. Yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> yeah that. Star Trek theme song. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So, you know, we're going to do a little bit of that in there too. And it, it's just a lot of fun to make these kicks. Tim, do you own a theremin? Because that's awesome. I, I don't actually. And oh, okay. it's, it's like, where did you find one? If you as have much as I just complained about the uh, uh, artificially generated things, when we yeah, do the songs, right. they're what they call plugins. And yep. what that means is, you basically you can just play it on a keyboard or even a guitar, right? And then you put in the song you wanted, the sound that you want, and it'll sound like an orchestra or a bassoon mm -hmm. or a flute. Mm -hmm. What comes out is different than what went in. Yeah, yeah. Just to answer sure. that question for you, Mike, uh, guitarcenter.com, $400. Oh, wow. That's cheaper than I thought it would be. Because Amazon, I think, also $400. I didn't think they still made theremins. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah, and it's apparently a thing like you can play one and get pretty good at it. Wow. Okay. I also I, think I've never a, done it, but now that yeah. you say that, I kind of want to try. Yeah, I kind of <laughs> mess around with one. <laughs> I think it's important to note, too, that as I search theremins for sale, a autom automaton Kirby... Yeah. Nope. Saxophone. Okay. I've never heard of that. And it's Kirby, the video game Kirby. Oh, so nice. So it's a pink saxophone with Kirby at the bottom. Well, that's directed towards you for sure, Chris. They yeah, that's definitely searching. my algorithm right yeah. there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, so back to the, um, just back to the cryptid, I'm I'm a big fan of variant covers. Are you doing anything like that? This time yeah, around? yeah, and it's yeah. going to have a couple of pretty cool things. And one quick comment, we do it a little different. And here's what I mean by that. There's some people say it's really smart to use, you know, like you'd use five different variant cover artists. And, you know, you, you try to find people that are either maybe have their own following or, um, you know, maybe you think their art style just suits the project. And in my case, what I've done with one exception is all the variant covers will be designed by the same man who is also doing the interior pages. And the reason why it has a certain consistency, like, I guess the best way to put it is the art is not very comic-y. It's going to be somewhat along the lines of, you know, some of the earlier books um, from DC, they used to do a thing called prestige format. And they did like Black Orchid and Arkham mm -hmm. Asylum. And it was a guy by the name of Dave McKean, where he had sort of like this trippy visual art style and you know honestly every page looked like a work of art more so than a comic panel and that's yeah. again that's not me ripping on a comic panel right I love right comics. but i wanted i didn't want the cover to look like a comic when all the other things looked sort of hand painted so the variant covers in this case will be 
you have the first cover is what we call the movie poster cover, which is the uh, illustration of the main heroine. And she's surrounded by the four cryptids. And the ones we went with with the cover, it's Bigfoot, the Loch Ness Monster, and the Mothman are on the cover. Awesome. Um, and then the second one is what we call the encounter. And it's kind of like her looking up at the UFO. You're seeing her from the back. And then the third one is going to be what we call the noir edition. It's going to be a black and white edition, cover and interior, sort of designed like a creepy magazine or an eerie magazine, if you know what okay. that is. Yeah, We've wanted yeah. to do that for years. Wow. And then uh, the next one is there was one variant cover artist, a guy by the name of Max Veltri. And it looks like uh, it's sort of it's what we would call an X-Files cover. Yeah, and it has like yeah. it has the UFO and Bigfoot standing there. It, it's yeah. really very kind of weird and trippy. Really, what we're going for is a sort of like a trippy visual look for this thing. Okay. And Love it's it. it's gonna I'm trying to make it to where it stands out from other comic projects, which is hard to do. You know, it, it's uh <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, it is. Weird. I can it's imagine kind of it a, is. It's kind of a crowded, crowded field these days. Yeah. Oh, and I forgot the most important one. Not the most important one, but we always do what they call a homage cover. And in this case, it is Fantastic Four 51, which is the one where the thing is standing on the cover. It's this man, this, this man, monster. this month. Yeah. yeah. And, and oh, it, man. yeah. Right. Yeah. And uh, it, it is ours says this mystery, this monster. And it's oh. Bigfoot standing there like uh, the way the thing is standing there. And then behind him is the alien. And on the side, it's the hero cadence, like where Sue is, where she's going, what are you doing? And it's cadence yeah. going, what are you doing? <laughs> that is so, one of Mike's like all time favorite. Yeah, comics. That's, that's the only fantastic four issue I own. I love that issue. Uh, it's one of my favorite stories of fantastic four. I got, I got to buy the variant. Uh, yeah. Listen, you are a man after my own heart. It would be yeah. fair to say that is my favorite cover of all time. And that's oh, yeah. why I chose it. And also if you, uh, like our, our Bigfoot is a little bit of a, like I said, remember the stories have a little bit of a twist, right? Like in this one, Bigfoot is he's what I would call the sci-fi version of Bigfoot. Like he okay. wears radiation goggles, oh, right? That's cool. and, right. And he yeah. has this device that he uses to communicate between the dimensions. And he has lines. He's not like an ape. He's like a super intelligent sci-fi mm -hmm. Bigfoot. And oh, he's wow, a very okay. he's a very big part of the story. He's the one that's trying to contact the girl the whole time. And he's the one that explains, look, you're all in terrible danger. This alien race is getting ready to enslave you with the mathematics. Oh, that's awesome. So I got to ask, you mentioned a few cryptids here. They're going to be the book. Are those the complete list of cryptids? And if so, no, let, why let, didn't let, you let, include the best one let, of all time? Let, let me hear what you think the best one is. It's Sheep Squash. <laughs> Sheep Squash. <laughs> that's amazing. No, Sheep Squash I'll, rules. I'll, our list, and I'll, I'll go down through them, which the first thing is, you know, it's going to be roughly 28 pages per issue. And it's going to sort out to be about 110 pages at the end. But you, we didn't, they're not all crammed into the first book. Each one will, like, as they go further, it gets more and more populated. Some are good guys, some are bad guys. It does turn out one is a hoax. Um, but our lineup will be, you ready for this? It is uh, the, the alien gray is the first one from the UFO. Okay. Yep. Then there's the men in black. Mm -hmm. Then there's Bigfoot. So those are the three in the first months, first monsters. Then issue two is the, uh, uh, the Mothman. Okay. Great. Right. Love and it. And then the, uh, the, uh, the Hopkinsville goblins make a cameo. Oh, then wow. there is the, uh, the Flatwoods monster is in that one. That That's one. the guy who has the ace of spades head. Oh, okay. oh yeah. yeah. I didn't know that was the name. Yeah. And then, um, and that's issue two. And then number three will be 
the Loch Ness monster ends okay. up saving her from drowning. And then, and, and you know, I'll give some of the stuff away because it's interesting. It turns out the Loch Ness monster in our version is a hoax. It's a mechanical creature being piloted <laughs> by like, he's like a mad scientist. And oh my God, he I built love himself that. That's in, awesome. Yeah. Like yeah. everything's got like a little, like a yeah. reimagining sort of. Right. Um, and then after the Loch Ness monster, it is uh, the Yeti. Okay. Right. Yeah. And then the ending of that book, you find out that the men in black are actually not aliens at all, but they are like the reanimated bodies of the dead. So by the third issue, the men in black are starting to rot. They become what we call the rotting men in black. Oh right? They're starting God. to look really gross, right? Yeah. And that's when it starts to go faster because you're queuing up to the big battle for number four. And then issue number four is very surreal. And you essentially have the final combat between the alien race all the United cryptids, our hero cadence is in there. And um, also there are the the other aliens start to come through and they are these mathematical beings. And the elder God that they summon, when the God comes through, he is in fact not a God at all because of course it's a mathematical race. He's right. a giant robot. Oh man, nice. I love it. Sold, I'm sold. Yeah, yeah speak, thanks man. And like I said, each thing that we make, we try to make it to where it was not quite, like, like each thing has like a little twist you know yeah didn't hear one mention of sheep watch though so no, yeah, maybe I'll, I'll see if i can work i'll get a cameo i'll get him yeah. a cameo you know there's a couple things i wanted to put in too that didn't make it because there's some great ones like uh, uh jersey devil's one that comes jersey to devil uh yeah. dover demon if you like dover, dover demon, demon. yeah yep. Chupacabra, uh, yeah, right right yeah. yeah and so maybe what i'll do when i get to issue four i'll, I'll do a lot of cameos yeah like what? have a lab or something with a lot of them floating there. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. Like well, and I, you yeah. make a good point because, yeah. you know, we did this YouTube episode about the cryptids and it was our best viewed episode. And I'm like, oh my gosh, people really dig cryptids. I hope Tim, they show yeah. up for the book. You're, you're, you're like smoothly doing these segues for us. And I love it. Like, yeah. I don't, like Chris and I are just sitting here like, <laughs> man, this is great. I like, I'm just chilling in this, ep- in I, this interview. You do, it before, say, you do all the work for us. Yeah. <laughs> before we jump into that, I'm yeah. so on the cryptid wiki. Yeah. And that's where I got my list of cryptids I was going through. And I got to say, I, I mean, first of all, bat squatch is a thing I didn't know about, which is I'm tabbing that for later because I'm going to research that one. But there's some ones in here that I'm going to call BS on. Yeah. Um, number one, giant goldfish. Yeah, that's it's literally somebody who just fished out a giant goldfish. Yeah, and that's not a thing. Goblins, they're not a cryptid. It's a fantasy creature. Yeah. Right. Like <laughs> Yeah. Do you know the uh do you know the fr- the uh I forget the city right now, the Frogman. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I love Frogman. Yes. Yeah. yes. That that one yeah. it's gotta be true. But dude, <laughs> I mean look up Bat Squatch. It's phenomenal. You know, one of the things we talked about, and I always find this really interesting because it's easy to say things like, well, you know, at this point, we've discovered all the creatures and science right. knows everything. But right. what we find, if you look back even a hundred years, science has not always discovered everything. And one of the things that we talked about was like, if you look at like, uh, I'll just give a couple quick examples, like the panda bear, right? If mm-hmm. you'd go back 150 years, Americans were still denying that that was real, where it was completely well known in, on the Asian continents, right? And they're like, panda, there's no such bear like that. Well, of course, it turned out there was. Then the next one was in 1930 couple. There's a type of fish called the coelacanth, which has been extinct for 16 million years. And in 1939, somebody caught one alive. That's crazy. Yeah. So it's like, so there's definitely the possibility that there's some things 
that have not yeah. been discovered yet. It's There's corners going. of the earth that we've never visited. Right. You know? Especially when yeah. you talk about underwater, right? Yeah. yeah. Or the Amazon. The Amazon, right. there's right. species yeah. we're discovering every day. I mean, it's yeah. One unreal. of them was, uh, they talk about this, it's called the Batrachian behemoth. It's a mm -hmm. frog. This frog is bigger than a dog. A guy caught one alive. It's so big, he could barely pick it up. It's a frog. What the hell? I don't like yeah, that one He's, on, he's yeah. got a YouTube channel, too. When you see it, you're going to go, that's got to be fake. No, I, yeah, I've seen I've seen this guy as a pet, like a tree frog that's like this big. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's one. Oh. Of them. And I didn't even know they get that big. I thought it was fake too, but no, it's a real frog that like sticks to his wall. Right, it, right. It's like something. It's almost unnerving to see that because you're like, I've never, I've never seen that outside of like a horror movie. Well, and, <laughs> yeah. and one of the things you might dig this. One of the things that we tried to tie together in the book, and you might get this vibe a little bit when you start to look at Bigfoot sightings. They are very commonly associated with what they call a UFO flat. And what I mean by that, when people see Bigfoot, it's not like there's a UFO over his head. But like in the neighboring county, there were six sightings that night. Like they're usually sort of grouped slightly closely together. Mm -hmm. That's that's weird. Yeah. And it, it's like and it isn't like once or twice. It's like more than six or seven times. And they, they now they even say things when someone uh sees Bigfoot, sometimes they will go around to neighboring things and be like, well, did you see anything unusual besides that? And be like, well, now that you mention it, there's a weird light up over above the, <laughs> like there's almost always a, a sighting. Yeah. With it. Yeah. Oh yeah. So um, we, yeah. we could talk to you about this stuff all night, Tim. For sure. <laughs> you <laughs> did give favorite. us a great transition yeah. to the YouTube channel. Yeah, so let's, let's talk let's, a little bit about that. To the YouTube there. channel. Thanks so much. So we yep. started working on that during the last Kickstarter campaign. That was for Water Wars number four. And one of the things I learned, and to be honest, I learned it from guys like you, is that there is a market to reach your audience, which is sometimes more effective than putting out what I call an advertisement. Here's what I mean by this. Customers like to discover something. They like to discover it on their own. And they like to go to people that they trust, you know, like Fortress of Comics, right? And they say, hey, well, these guys said something was pretty cool. I want to check it out on my own. Where if it's me releasing 10 advertisements in a row, of course I'm going to say it's good, right? Because I got, I'm totally biased. So I had to come up with a way to, to be more engaging with my audience in a way that felt more like a show and less like an advertisement. And here's what we came up with. Um, what I do is I generally, I try to interview somebody else. It's not just me on the show typically. And we'll go through a topic and they're topics that we love. And, you know, the, kind of similar to you guys, we engage in a way that's very positive and enthusiastic because, you know, there's lots of negative shows already, right? It's more fun to sort of gas on about stuff you're really into. And what we do is we organize it into a list of 11 things, call it Holden's Top 11. And then we analyze the topics. And then when I get to the end of the topics, I'll say something like, hey, by the way, if you love UFO sightings, that was a recent one, you'd probably love Rodney's new book. And then I'll talk about their book. That's and awesome. The, the idea being that, and I hope I say this the right way, because I'm still kind of new, really. But the indie community has been really great to me. And, you know, I feel sort of, honestly, I'm grateful about the whole thing. And I said, you know, I can't always afford to buy everybody's book. You know, I'm already a super backer. I'm at something like 93 projects back. Yeah. And oh. there's so many now, I just can't buy them all. Yeah, no, so we're I, in the same boat. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you get what I'm saying. So I said, yep. you know, I've got to find something where I'm trying in my small way to give a little something back to other mm -hmm. people. Because yeah. by the way, some we mentioned Travis earlier and Russell, like, 
I've had great support and you guys too. You were one of the first yeah. ones when I first started doing this. Yep. Not to mention being from Canandaigua. Nice. I was nice. born there. <laughs> but nice. I will say that I wanted to come up with something that felt uh, natural and something that was fun that people could sort of look forward to. And then um, that they would feel like, hey, Tim will help me promote my book a little bit. But it, I don't even say just books. If you have a, I had a musician on once. If you're a poet, you know, uh, another podcaster, that's a thing too now, you know, because yep. mm -hmm. let's be honest, podcasters often have much more reach than we do as writers. Yeah. They already have the audience, so to speak. Right, right. So I had uh, the one podcast. You know, Phil Lockler? He, he was on. We did uh, no. We did uh, uh, sci-fi TV shows, I think it was. Oh, okay. Awesome. And, uh, and he's a heck of a good guy, too. And by the way, he's getting ready to release a book now. So it's like, you know, my thought is if you sometimes try to help other people a little bit, What's a good way to say this? If you're putting positivity out, you're going to start getting positivity back. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah scratch so, my so back, what, I'll scratch yours. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And, you know, my shortcoming that I was starting to do and, you know, a lot of create, a lot of creative types do this. So I'm sorry if I seem like I'm being a little critical, but we all tend to go buy my book, buy my book, buy my book. Instead of saying things like, hey, let's help each other a little bit and a rising tide lifts all boats and you know, the, the show is pretty well received. I do, uh, I don't have, a, you know, a big subscriber base yet. Like I say, I'm a little bit new, but I did get picked up by the comic related madness network. So I'm one of the affiliates there and I guess they really liked it. So now we went to two shows. There's a, I do a Thursday night show where I interview other creatives about their process. And that's more like things like, how did you get the idea? Who is your work influenced by and who would like it? That's called the Creative Cranium, and that's a one-hour show. And I usually do three guests. It's like a panel. By the way, I keep mentioning Travis because I got the idea from him. It's a lot like his Creator Hangout. If you've seen yes. Creator Hangout, mine's mm -hmm. a lot like yeah. that. Yeah, we've seen that on, for sure. And then Friday night, I do the Holden's Eleven. And the Holden's Eleven is a recorded show. It's not live because I do add, like, say if we're talking about the, like, say we did top 11 graphic novels, um, it, it shows the you know, like images of the book come up as yep. we're talking and that yep. kind of thing. And the theme is almost always the same, which is things like, hey, there's no wrong answers. You know, we're just showing you this because we love them. If you haven't heard it, you know, go check it out. We promise you'll love it. And if you want to chime in the comments and say how wrong Tim is, that's cool too. Because yeah, right, you know, right. a lot of times I have either didn't know about something or, you know, I've forgotten so many. Like, you know, we, we just did the, the musicals with Travis. Can you believe I forgot Pink Floyd, The Wall? Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah like, oh, yeah. yeah. I couldn't yeah. believe it. And because yeah. there's always like a set of rules in that case, it had to have at least three songs. Well, the wall had like 18 songs or something. And yeah, I it did. It. Yeah. yeah, it did. So that's, that's why I want to try and create a little, I guess you'd call it a little bit of back and forth. And, you know, sometimes the videos do pretty well. I, you know, I'm getting a little bit of traction and what I need to learn how to do, and I'm hoping I can learn from guys like you is to slowly build up my audience to where, you know, my hope is that, you know, it'll attract more customers and, you know, mm -hmm. the type of person that would watch something, you know, like uh, Christopher and I were talking about Planet of the Apes earlier. And realistically, the type of person that would watch a broadcast about Planet of the Apes or that they would want to discuss Planet of the Apes, that's the type of person that will really like Water Wars. Mm -hmm. Right. So you're making the connection there yeah. uh, through another medium. Uh, that's familiar with, you know, somebody's familiar with like aliens and twilight zone and all this stuff. And they're like, Oh yeah, 
yeah, I love this stuff. And you're like, oh, this guy is into that stuff too. And he's making stories related to that. Okay. It's kind of like they can discover it. Right. And mm-hmm. you know, right. it's, that's always the tough thing. Cause I don't, some of the things, you know, speaking directly, I don't do as well on, and these are areas that I need to improve. At, mm-hmm. which I'll yep. mention to any creator that will listen, you know, one of the things is I don't do enough conventions. Look, it'd be great if I could do 10 conventions a year, but you know, I still have to raise a family of three. And you know, I, you know, for me, still, I start talking tickets and table and a hotel room yeah. and food for three days, you know, yeah, I'm, in, I'm in yeah. easily, you know, $1,500, two grand a weekend. I am not going to, and I understand it's for marketing. So I'm right. not, I'm right, not a right. dummy. Right. But I, I usually don't cover my cost to that much. Mm-hmm. So what I've been doing, I do one convention a year. That's Baltimore Comic Con. Okay. Any chance you guys might come to that? Uh, what what what, don't what think is it? I'm doing that this year. I probably won't make that one this or year. Or to September? Is it? Yeah, yeah they maybe moved it, it used to September. be October. They moved it up to September this year. Okay, maybe mm-hmm. then. Let's look into it. Maybe. But yeah. so what I do is I just do the one and I might do two. It looks like I'm going to do Harrisburg too, but I, I do like a big splash. Like I do the double table, double banners mm-hmm. and there's a contest yeah. and you know, mm-hmm. tried to do a one great big one for the year. Yep. In this yep. case, I'm flying in our letterer, Matias Zanetti. He's coming from Argentina to attend wow. it. So that's awesome. Oh, wow. we're, yeah. We're going to try and do some panels and that kind of thing. That's and cool, man. Yeah. Thanks. We're really excited about it. So, but that, like I say, that's my only one. And I, I've noticed that the creators who do at least one convention a month, or some of the people do two of them a month, they perform very well on Kickstarter because they, they are reaching that audience face to face and building those relationships, which is so critically important. And yeah. in my case, it's as much as I love to do it, and you know, I'm enthusiastic to try it. It's in my case, it's just more of a financial. I, I can't put it yeah. together like you know oh, no, I can't. understood yeah it's such a co- high cost with traveling yeah. and everything yeah it's crazy. Be honest with you, i don't know how the guys do it and i ask him yeah. i'm like well how do you because I'm, I'm friends with uh trevor fernandez lenkovich and I, man i love his work a lot that's area mm-hmm. 51 and he's yeah. another sci-fi guy who's doing something a little bit different mm-hmm. and he just had you know what was it a twelve thousand dollar kickstarter man congratulations and the thing that he religiously does is he goes to the conventions and it meets the fans and you know, the, the followers yeah. and things. And th- mm-hmm. that is my, it'd be fair to say that's my Achilles heel. I've got to somehow find a way to do more of it. Maybe that's my 2024 goal. <laughs> I just bought tickets for the first time to a con in a long time. We've gotten press passes for a while to stuff. And this one I didn't think of. So I, d- I just bought a day ticket and I'm even just that just attending one day ticket, all that stuff. I now sitting back, I'm like, I can't believe so many people do this. Yeah. It was so much money. I don't even want to say how much it was, but it was so much that I cannot believe that people. Did you do a hotel room money. and stuff? No, no, no. Just okay. for the ticket. Okay. And yeah. to park for the day. Just yeah. that. I could yeah. not believe people put up that much money for this. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, by, by the way, I admire people that do it and I'm a little bit jealous. And um, for the record, again, with the podcasters and the press passes, uh, you know, I'm so grateful that people do that because that is something right. that helps everybody. I mean, it helps right. the follower, it helps the creator, it helps the broadcaster. So um, it's something that we need desperately, you know? No. So, and I've even thought, you know, eventually, you know, I want to get to the level where the cons invite me. You know, it's, that'd be a great thing. I probably several years away from that, but if that doesn't work, I thought maybe we'll all try and ask for a press pass. And then when I get there, I'll set up a table, you know, right, right. one of the things I did this year, and you guys would probably like this. 
once I get my booth set up and I have like my helpers and stuff, it's mostly my family. And I got one guy who always comes. It's my, uh, they're like my road managers, I call it. And they can run the booth while I'm not there. So I go around to every publisher and I submit books to publishers just so they know what I'm yeah. doing. And it never hurts to have your name in the ring for things. Yeah. And then the second thing, as often as I am able, I visit every indie creator and I ask them what they are making. And I ask if I can take their photo with me and put it on social media. And last year, I think I got 13 or 14, something like that. And there was yeah. like, hey, yeah, you know, because it's great marketing for them too. Right, Maybe somebody right. that likes my book might like theirs. You know, you never exactly. know. Yeah, so yeah. I'm kind of still in that, I guess you'd say I'm in the relationship building stage. That, That's good that, though. Yeah, okay, that was yeah. My, my third convention that I went to. Yeah, it takes, it takes a while. It took us, I don't know, at least a few years to get into the swing of things where we, where people start recognizing you and, so we want to come back and when you're seven or eight. Uh, I I think, I think eight now. Nice. Congratulations. I, I got the poster. That's, yeah. It's been a while. Our established been a, date. Yeah. I look at every so after often. a rebranding and stuff, but I mean, I, I'm hoping here that we, you know, we made a good connection with you. A, a lot of people start uh, seeing your work, Tim, and on all the awesome things you're doing, you're putting positive vibes out. And I know, I mean, just, just from the success we've seen you in the first time on the show to where you are now, you're part of the community uh, people want to be working with you, which is awesome because of the, just the attitude you have about everything. So, um, yeah, I thought, you know, thanks again for being on the show. We're, we're so glad oh, to you. have you here and you're always yeah. welcome back. I mean, just because of how positive you are and, and all the the great information insight you share with us. But, um, yeah, and if our listeners or our followers want to, you know, follow all the things you're doing, where would you send them to? Well- the easiest way now is, um, well, there's a couple things. I'm always on Facebook, of course, which I still get a little bit of traction from. I'm yep. Timothy Fling. I'm on YouTube, and YouTube has what they call a handle now. And the okay. easiest way to find it, I'm at Timothy Fling. Yep. And that'll take you, it shows you our uh, our top 11 lists, and it also our live broadcasts that we do with other creators. Great. And, of course, I also have my website, which is earthdogstudios.com. And that one is mostly how you can buy the products. If you don't necessarily want to buy stuff, feel free to reach out to me any other place. I don't look, I would love to sell stuff, but I'm not quite to the level where that's all I need. Like I say, I'm still building my, so if you just want to learn about it, feel free to reach out to me on Facebook through YouTube. I am on Twitter. I'm at T Flizzy. I don't do that well on Twitter. Yeah. Um, I don't think uh, anybody does really. <laughs> yeah. You know, I try, but it's yeah, not, it's tough. Yeah, you got to be saying funny quips and stuff like yeah. that. I'm, I'm, yep. And I'm a pretty funny guy, but I'm not, you know, I'm trying to actually do something else. Yeah, um, right. I also just started uh, about 10 days ago. I jumped in the TikTok water. Oh, all right. Awesome. I, I, I not, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I am not going to tell you, hey, this is the greatest thing ever. And I've got it all figured out. Guys, as you know, I'm at a level where I'm still figuring things out. Right. So, you know, I've heard people say things like, well, Twitter is really decreased or, you know, you got to try. And I get it that, you know, the younger uh, folks use TikTok. My daughter Mm -hmm. uses it. She's 26. So I'm like, okay, I'll try it. And so I'm off to a good start, I guess. But it's too early for me to say if it's I couldn't tell you whether I like it yet or dislike it. Mm. Okay. Okay. Do you guys use it? What do you think? I, I mean, I use it for cooking mostly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there I, are, I don't and know. I, I don't, and I have looked, I've looked for comic stuff just cause I'll like, I'll look up recipes and they, you know, quick videos to make a recipe. 
Um, and I, I've looked up comic stuff. There isn't a whole lot of comic. There's a lot of comic collecting things, like right. people talking about comics, but they're usually talking about like image comics or DC or Marvel. And I'm like, people know about this stuff already. It's, it's, you know, like I'd, there isn't enough indie stuff I would say on there, which is, you know, probably, I don't, yeah. I don't know how well it would do to be honest. Not I, sure. Yeah. I, I had a, I had a couple of other YouTube creators talk to me about, you know, how to, we're, we're talking how to grow and all that, you know, BS behind the scenes. And one of them was telling me like, you got to do shorts. Shorts are the big thing. Yeah. Like, and it's like daily shorts and all this. And I just, mm-hmm. my head was, I was getting a migraine. So I'm like, I don't, I hate that stuff. <laughs> yeah. I don't right. consume it. I don't right. like it. I don't want, I just don't want to do it. Christopher, yeah. I'm right there with you. Man. And I, <laughs> listen, I promised I wouldn't say anything negative, but I will add to what you said, which is I don't consume media that way. I understand that it's popular and like yeah. I say, I'm not, I'm not ripping on anybody, but what I was hoping to do is to maybe drive people to my YouTube channel. So mine is a little bit like that. I do like, like UFO sightings. I started a couple of days ago. Number 11, the Kenneth yep. Arnold site. Was it real or was it a hoax? Come check it out. Only on Holden's 11. And the yeah. hope is that because now I've got enough to where if you click through, it'll take you to my YouTube channel, yeah. which it takes a little while for that to get connected up or whatever. It finally started working. Yeah, I but right. I will tell you that for me, I don't view any of the other content. Like I don't, right, right. like I, I would rather listen to a podcast or I would rather watch a YouTube channel. I like a little more depth, I guess is what yeah, I like. Yeah, I like long say. form. Yeah, yep. yeah. And there's even people that say, by the way, I'd like to get your opinion on this. What do you think is the best time frame for interviews, podcasts, and YouTube episodes? Half hour, hour, hour and a half? That's, that's a tough one. You know, because we do audio and video. So I would say video probably under an hour, but our audio, I mean, like today we'll have a two hour episode. So it, yeah. you can find, you can find a audience anywhere. Cause like, I mean, there's yeah. guys putting, I know I have someone I follow. I listen to the audio version, but he does YouTube and they do like four hour podcasts mm-hmm. and they do really well on YouTube. Now that he's also a name. So maybe that has something to do with it. I don't know. Right. I've heard shorter i've heard i mean it's also all dependent on algorithm crap because sometimes youtube wants you to go shorter and then they want you to go longer and and i feel like if you just make what you make people will find it passionately and well enough you'll find something yeah Yeah, it may not be but you'll find something that's the right answer that's the right answer so we took up enough of your time tim you told us that where to go to find you and everybody out there, as always, all of the show notes in the show notes, all the links to Tales from the Collective Initiative, um, the anthology. Hopefully uh, the call of the cryptid campaign is up before the show uh, launches. So I can put that in the show notes as well. And also Earth Dog Studios where you can follow all of Tim's work. So, Tim, thanks so much for being on, taking time with us today. And thanks, uh, like we said earlier, welcome back anytime, man. Thank you so much. It's one of my favorites. I really like you guys a lot. Thanks. Thank you. And we're back. We are back, everybody. So, uh, yeah. Um, Timothy, such a great guy. Uh, He's doing a lot of cool stuff um, on Kickstarter. You know, he's he's very vocal on Facebook, too. Uh, If you want to see all the cool stuff he's doing, um, you know, he's. uh, Yeah, he's out there. He's chatting with people. He's always doing videos and podcasts with people. So, yeah, check it out. Yeah, Call of the Cryptic looks awesome. Yep. Water Wars is back with an anthology. Yeah. Yep. And 
the YouTube channel is cool too. Trying to convince them to let me come on. <laughs> yeah, I know. What the hell? Come on. Um, with that, let's get to the comic news. Comic books. Uh, DC announced that their line of comics exclusive to Webtoon line are no longer exclusive as they will be coming to print. The comics in question are Batman Wayne Family Adventures, Vixen New York City, and Zatanna and the Ripper. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I'll check out the Batman one. Not so sure. Yeah. Uh, so I was thinking the same thing, and I wanted to look. The, I wanted to read this to you because I read this earlier, and it made me mm-hmm. immediately made me not want to read it. Oh, great! <laughs> this is a synopsis. Batman uh-huh. needs a break, but the new vigilante Duke Tom- Thomas moving into Wayne Manor and an endless supply of adopted, fostered, and biological superhero children to manage, Bruce Wayne is going to have his hands full. Being a father can't be harder than being Batman, right? Like, that sounds cringy as fuck. <laughs> what the? I think there's a reason all these these were all webtoons, Chris. They should stay that way. My God. Uh, wow. All right. Doesn't yeah. get doesn't get much worse than that. Not a webtoons guy, but I, no. I think all these were brought to that platform for a, a yeah. reason. That's some low hanging rotten fruit. <laughs> <laughs> this is what that is. Uh, DC has announced another DC Pride annual coming May of this year. Some of the creators involved are Christopher Cantwell, Leah Williams, uh, Al Kaplan, uh, and Grant Morrison. The Grant Morrison story in particular is making waves as it was announced that it will be a brand new multiversity story. Yeah. I mean, you get Grant Morrison on an anthology book. Awesome. I'm glad he came out for something like DC pride. That's really cool. Uh, it'll definitely bring a lot more people to buy that book. Uh, me in particular, for sure. Cause Grant does, doesn't do a whole lot for DC anymore. So, uh, that's awesome. Yeah. It was, it was cool to see. Uh, still don't know if I'm going to, pick it up i might see what you say about the multiversity story because yeah i don't know i wasn't that hot on multiversity i I like what was the series he did i think it was the actual multiversity series where each issue Mm -hmm. was a different universe yeah like eight issues yeah that was good but when he's come back to it it kind of just flounders in my opinion yeah but yeah it was good he's good at like setting everything up for people to play with the toys in those different universes yeah um, that, that Jim Lee issue where they went to Earth X, man. Yeah, so sick. Oh my god. Yeah. Um, except for the way they colored uh, the the uh, Superman's legs. Do you remember that? No, I don't remember. He that. was wearing those like Hitler pants that like are supposed to come out at the thighs. Yeah. And the way they colored him in, they made it look like it was just all his muscles. So like he had these gigantic like quads. And like his little tiny legs, it was like so jarring to look at. It, I'll, I'll have to pull it up again and I'll show you because I remember like yeah. I'm like, oh, somebody fucked up on this. <laughs> <laughs> like whoever shaded or inked that book was like, yeah, there's definitely something wrong with his legs. <laughs> like interesting. Yeah, uh, I'll never forget it. Another year has gone by, and the X Men line is giving us another Hellfire Gala. This time written by Jerry Dugan, with art by Chris Anka, Joshua Casara, Russell Dodderman, Adam Kubert. Pepe Larraz, R.B. Silva, and Luciano Vecchio. This one-shot comic will, like past Hellfire Galas, set up future storylines and new stories coming to the X-Men line with uh, what is new about this year's comic is that there will also be a real-life Hellfire Gala that will take place both at San Diego Comic-Con and D23. 
with X-Men cosplay and some celebrity appearances. That's pretty neat. 1,000%. They're announcing something X-Men for the MCU. Oh, yeah. At this event. Wolverine. Yeah. Yeah, it's got to be. It's got to be something with Wolverine. It could be something as small as like an early trailer for Deadpool. Yeah. Or something as big as we've casted these people. Who's Something's the, announced, who's though. the only guy who can get thrown through like the, a multiversal portal and survive? It's the guy with the anima, animantium skeleton, right? It's got to be Wolverine. Oh yeah, <laughs> like the like their Earth gets destroyed, but he's the only one that could probably survive, right? Nothing kills him. So, well, my feeling is they've they may not have cast him, but they've yeah. been looking into who's going to be the next Wolverine because they said in Deadpool three that there's going to be variants of Wolverine. Yeah. Right, and I feel like a majority of them are going to be Hugh, like just doing different versions of them, Mm -hmm. and then they're going to run across the new one. That's how they're going to introduce the new Wolverine. That'd be cool. That aside, but I think there's going to be something big, X Men related, with the MCU announced at the the real life Hellfire Gala. Yeah. Other than that, I don't really care about this. (laughs) (laughs) You won't catch me there. Uh, possibly spinning out of the previously discussed Hellfire Gala is the return of the Uncanny Avengers. Wow. This series will be written by Jerry Dugan or by Javier Garon. Uh, for those that don't know, the Uncanny Avengers team was known as the Unity Squad as it had members both human and mutant that was supposed to help build the trust between the two after the events of Avengers versus X-Men. And it is seen that this new team will serve a similar purpose so that they will hunt the man known as Captain Krakoa the team as it follows, Captain America, Rogue, Deadpool, Quicksilver, Psylocke, and Penance. Interesting they have Captain America on the team. Cap was on the original team. My only problem okay. here is like the original team was six members, but three of them weren't mutants. And in this yeah. one, we have six members, and one of them isn't a mutant. <laughs> right. I mean, I know Quicksilver, I mean, Quicksilver is a famous Avenger. Yeah. The other ones, I'm sure they've been Avengers at some point. It's just like in DC, everybody's been a member of the Justice League. Yeah. But like, I don't know. This just seems like an X-Men team that you like threw Steve in with. <laughs> yeah, really. It and does. I really like that. That Uncanny Avengers run from back then was so good. So it's kind of disappointing. I thought when I saw this, I was excited and I immediately just went. It is there. a free comic book day issue, though, so I will be reading it. Oh, I'll check out the free comic book day issue. Yeah. But the series that follows, unless this blows me away, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I'm confused because like I thought Captain Krakow was a good dude. Yeah. I don't know. Little did little did you know. Yeah, little I know, because I don't read X-Men because <laughs> John Hickman's not writing it anymore, so it doesn't matter. It does not matter. Um all right. Speaking of reading, what did we read this week? Uh got a Kickstarter book in the mail, haven't read it yet. It's uh it's called Morsels. It is this uh really crazy looking cover. Nice. It's a bite-sized horror comic, so it's got a bunch of anthology about horror. Love that shit on Kickstarter. Um this is uh well, the name's not on the cover, everybody, so I'm sorry right now. I'll get back to you on that. Um always put I did, your name on the cover. Yeah. Uh, it is an anthology, but someone put it all together for sure. Uh, the books I read this week, I, I did read John Kent, uh, 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 number one, Superman. This is Tom Taylor and uh, Henry on the art. I really liked the first issue. 
Um, like you said, Ultraman's a villain, and I love that shit. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm on board. After you explained it to me, I'm going to keep reading this book. Uh, caught up on Rogue Sun, kind of like you talked about. There's a lot more lore related to uh, Middle Ages and magic than there was in the past 10 issues, which is like, give me more of that shit to keep me yeah. interested. <laughs> like, I don't know why we had a 10 issues to talk about this stuff, but I really do enjoy that. Uh, JSA number three, John's and Janin, man. Uh, now we're getting into the, to the meat and potatoes of it. Uh, and it's issue three. So this is an issue you expect to get some more like what the hell's going on. And I'm sure Chris is really excited to know that the villain is an evil Nazi yes. from the past. <laughs> I yes. read that. I should have texted you. I forgot because I was like at the end of the issue, but I was like, damn, Chris probably read that. And I was like, yes, it's a Nazi. <laughs> superpowered Nazis. <laughs> yeah. Superpowered time traveling Nazis. Yeah. What could be uh, better, everybody? Yeah. So that's the reveal. This guy, he was a Nazi back in the day that was experimenting with the fourth dimension. So that's kind of how he, uh, his name's Deegan, uh, Dagan, Deegan. I don't know. Uh, he shows up. I mean, he, he has control over traveling through time. Uh, he shows up to future Huntress with the younger JSA. That's like 26 years in the past of our current timeline. And he's like, shows up and he's like, I'm going to kill you. So that's kind of where we're at. We got the whole origin of him and like how he was thwarted, you know, trying to do this fourth dimensional research. I thought it was a solid issue. Yeah, I agree. I liked everything about it. Um, a lot more JSA in this than has been the last two. So that yeah. was nice. Yeah. Um, I, I caught up on Batman Incorporated. So I would say I think I liked issue six more than issue five. Nice. I like where they're so they kind of, I guess they kind of had to like set up the whole thing from issues one to five. Issue five was good. Both groups fighting each other and then they kind of go their separate ways, creates this divide within the incorporated. Um, and then we see that bat dash man, China, there's some group that's like coming to him uh, for some for some help, some like evil group by issue six. Um, it's funny, like bat. they're like they they go from like this big overarching thing to just like, OK, Batman called us. He needs a, he needs to cover Gotham because he can't handle her. Right now. Uh, Professor Pig, which one of my favorite villains, I don't think he gets used enough. Uh, Morrison loved using him. He's going around like on a rampage, catching other villains and like torturing them, killing them and looking for something that was stolen from him. Come to find out it was some weird shrine that he calls mother. It was a good issue. It was I, I like, this is the incorporated I want. Yeah. My only complaint is I really don't like clown hunter. Like, yeah, like I really he could get rid of, he could go away. But yeah, I, they, I'm with yeah. you. Like professor pig is such an underutilized character and he's so creepy. Yeah, right. Exactly. So yeah. I was really happy when I saw he was a part of this issue. Yeah, he's got all the villains like chained up in a freezer and shit. I thought it was awesome. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I, that and that is like the story itself is good. It kind of like pulls Clown Hunter along, but I really don't care. I really don't care for Clown Hunter. I it's the, the like edgy kid who's like mad at everybody thing. Like I, he yeah. he's not wrong in how he feels. And, right. Like, that's how a kid would react in that sequence. But I don't know. I just, I don't yeah. want it. <laughs> yeah. Same. Uh, Red Hulk 13 this is oddly in Rathburn. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but Hulk is full Titan mode now. Yep. Yeah. He's yeah. Awesome cover. Um, starts killing everything. And then we get the whole 
re- we realize why he went on rampage to begin with. Doctor Strange, quote unquote, was trying to show him like uh, make a bridge between his mind so he can control the Hulk and you know have unlimited power. But it was someone disguised as Doctor Strange, some villain that I've never heard of uh, that helped the Hulk build a mind palace to put him in control. And now this guy wanted to take over the control. Uh, so that was pretty interesting. Yeah, really good issue um, altogether. You know what makes me really happy? Yeah. This, this ad. And all oh, the Planet of the Apes. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, cool. it's uh, so next issue is the last issue. Oh, we'll... okay. Cool. Um, and then I read a new number one this week called The Forged. Uh, I think it's a, I think it was an image book. Uh, this is Greg Rucka, uh, Rotman or Trotman and Henderson on, uh, on the art or Trotman helps write it. I think it was an interesting first issue. So really heavy. It's a sci-fi book. Uh, I will say it's really heavy and Delore and world world building. Like at the end of the issue, there's all these descriptions of characters and where they are. And I don't care to read all that stuff, but I will say it was a good issue. Um, the forged are like these special officers. They're all women uh, because the, like the, I don't know the political power in this universe is run by, uh, someone called the mistress and she, or the empress. And she has these like people she's put in power that are, they're called witches or, or yeah, they are called witches. Um, and they seem to have some like mystical powers to them. So the officers are all women, but they're all like jacked and like, like respected as like the, the top of the line special forces. And they all run these mechs and these mechs basically go down and, you know, they're, they're mostly like there to kill things on planets. Uh, they get sent to this planet to like help, uh, to help find something. They don't know what they're looking for. As they go to the planet, the ship that they're on blows up and it's blown up by, by the Empress. They think so there's, even though the Empress is in power, there's still like these, I would say like these Imperial guards that like, you know, if they fly the ships, they command the ships, like these captains and stuff. And there seems to be some tension there where they don't agree with like the, the Empress ways. So it's kind of like a divide. Um, and then obviously she blows the shit out of the, the, uh, the spaceship. So it was a really interesting first issue. I, I read it because of the giant mechs. <laughs> uh, I mean, come on. I mean, that's whatever. I was not expecting all this lore, but I really enjoyed it. Um, and there's a couple, you know, it's a mature book. So there's a couple sex scenes in there too. So heads up, but they're, they're used in an interesting way, like how the witches like control people. So it's pretty cool. It was pretty, it was a solid issue. Yeah. Um, that's what I had this week, or at least what I got to. So you didn't get to Nemesis Reloaded number three? No, I did not. Um, it's a Nemesis. I mean, it's good, yeah. but it's a Nemesis book. Like, there's a lot of action. Uh, we get kind of another backstory uh, with his training in this. And we get a pretty brutal scene where somebody flies a plane into a bunch of cops. Oh. <laughs> and yeah, it was a... Uh, All right. It was a little rough. <laughs> all right. All right, Miller. But yeah, Miller's uh, gone insane, but in a good way, in a very good way. Yeah. Tell us how you really feel. <laughs> uh, I hate Fairland number five. This is like the quickest read of the week, probably of the year. <laughs> okay. Because it's like a montage. They set it up as like this metal band in hell playing mm-hmm. in the background as like Gert like does a bunch of tasks. Okay. To finally get her way to Fairyland. And when she finally gets there, she makes contact with the person who sent her there just to find out that, like, his kid had already come home and there was a mix up. So, like, oh. he doesn't need her help anymore. Okay. 
And when she's like, okay, well, so you can send me home then, right? Like, I, this is over? And he's like, well, my lawyers advised against that. They think uh, they think that could cause some issues. So we're just going to pretend like this never happened. So now she's stuck in fairyland again. Wow. And uh, it ends with the, you know, the, of course, her sitting there saying, God damn it, I hate fairyland. So... <laughs> Nice. We should see if they continue it and keep going with it, but it was a it was a cool issue. It was just there's very little dialogue. It's literally just action scene after action scene. Yeah. Uh, Captain America: Symbol of Truth number eleven. Sam versus the White Wolf as he defeats the White Wolf and saves this new country. And then him and Nomad are sitting around talking, and Nomad says, "You know what?" You've inspired me, Captain America. I'm going to go talk to Steve, my dad. Nice. And then it says, uh, next time on Cold War. So, okay. So, a lot is it another action sequence. Uh, a lot of like small M politics in this, like mm-hmm. international politics stuff, because okay. uh, Sam's fighting, basically helping this war overseas. Yep. But a uh, good issue. Avengers Forever, number 16. This is part nine of the Avengers Assemble crossover. So if you remember last week, Mike, uh, I talked about a bunch of kaiju. Yes. And uh, a giant celestial that's now a Deathlock kaiju. Yeah, it sounded really cool. So this issue is just the battle sequence of all the different squadrons coming. We see the Deathlock celestial fighting... Mephisto in this, like Darkseid eats the planet Doom in this. Nice. All the stuff you wanted to see them do, they do. And uh, also, we get like kind of a cool moment near the end where the the Starbrand child, who every time she uses the Starbrand, she ages, and now uh-huh. she's like an old woman okay. in a matter of like a week. Oh, that's not good. And she's like, she wants to help people, but she doesn't want to use her powers because she's only been alive a week. <laughs> Yeah, right. And then Ghost Rider, who has kind of lost his powers, they near the end realize that in order to turn the tide of this battle, they need to join it. So we get uh, Robbie Reyes, the Ghost uh, Rider, back, and then Starbrand kind of joins the fight too. Cool. And uh, this is the second to last issue. So we got one more issue of Jason Aaron's Avengers, and then it's over. Damn. But it's been a hell of a ride. Yeah, sounds wild. My last uh, book... I actually got to talk about it in two parts. It's a uh, image comic by uh, Kyle Higgins, which I'm pretty sure this is a part of the Massiverse, although you wouldn't know it because uh, nowhere on the title does it say Massiverse. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I had no idea, dude. Uh, this one's titled No One. Um, it's a, basically about the, uh, in Pittsburgh. There was this crime spree where a bunch of people were murdered by this vigilante known as no one. And they all had ties to like government or some, they were screwing people over in some way. And he would always take uh, credit for them. Well, they found the person who did it and he's now in jail and he happens to be the son of the police chief in town. Okay. Um, that's kind of the backstory. Cause we open up the issue with another murder from no one. And everybody's trying to figure out what's going on because no one is supposed to be in prison and all this. And uh, we get to see kind of the police. The He's no longer the police chief. He's been like demoted. His kid's in jail. His other kid became a junkie and is like having troubles. And he's trying to help him. And then all this is going on. And he's kind of being called out all the time because his kid murdered a bunch of people. 
And in the background, we've got this newsroom that's trying to figure out what's going on with this character. And uh, they're deciding to do a podcast about it. This -hmm. comes into play later because there's actually a tie-in podcast to this comic. Oh. And so we get kind of set up for that. Uh, Then we go back to the the ex-police chief, and he goes to his son who was... um, put in jail and admitted to the crimes and shows him that somebody's out there and they think it's a copycat, but nobody really knows uh, whether it is or not. As he leaves, not only is the ex-police chief assaulted by no one, but his son, who is the junkie, is killed by no one. And that's when we also learn that the bullet casings from the new murders are identical to the previous ones, leaving a seed that no one was out there all along that we got the wrong person. Mm. Really cool kind of superhero, like detective story kind of yeah. thing going on. And then I, so I really liked the, the issue. I read that I waited like a couple days and then I listened to the podcast and the podcast is the audio drama that's done to mimic a, like a crime thriller podcast mm-hmm. uh, where these two people, uh, one of them being Pat Oswald playing the voice of the editor-in-chief. Oh, okay. They're, like, doing this as, like, real events and presenting it that way. Uh-huh. And that's really good as well. That gives you more of the backstory of, like, all the different murders. So the, there's only one issue out, I think, or one episode out. I think the podcast can come out monthly with the book. Okay. And you get, in this episode, you get the backstory of the previous murders and, like, kind of what's going on in Pittsburgh and all that stuff. And it ends oh. right where the book ends. Oh, that's cool. So, that's it was a really cool kind of two sided thing, and it like married my two favorite things, podcasts and comics. Yeah, that's so. pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, I didn't, I didn't even hear about that. That's cool. Yeah, so it's it's really well done. I I do really recommend the book. It's um, it's good. I just if it's a massive first book, Kyle, just fucking put it on the cover, please. Like, just, yeah, <laughs> just yeah, a little thing this. on the cover. Yeah, we need it on the cover, please, please. Yeah. Uh, Mike, but that is everything I read this week. Uh, where can people find you online? You can find me at Fortress Ricker on Twitter. Where can they find you and or the show? They can find me at Fortress Chris on Twitter and the show at Fortress Comics underscore on Twitter. Also, FortressComicNews.com. Remember, everybody, to give us the reviews on your podcatcher, to like, subscribe, share, comment down below on the YouTube version. And if you want to go the extra mile, Patreon, patreon.com slash Fortress Comics. Um, Thank you all so much for listening or watching this week, and we will see you all here next week. See you.